As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural, it's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney. I'm the CEO and Mama Bird here and with me I have VP and MVP of podcast world. <laughs> See, I did a different one, Ashley. <laughs> I loved that. That was a nice surprise. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> oh, which is one of the things we were talking about, about our topic is that we need to have the element of surprise. So we've already done it today for Check. you, but yes, I love it. So Ashley LeBlanc, she is here with me. She is always a wonderful guest on Ponderings from the Perch. We're such a good foil to each other's ideas and, and really spark more creativity. And that's what we're here to do today. We are going to talk about creativity and uh, the reality (laughs) of writing and how creativity and the reality have to work together. So you need to get things written. (laughs) So we're going to talk today about some tips. We're both writers. We're constantly writing. We're constantly writing for our own brand. We're constantly writing for other brands. And then we both love to write on our own independently. We have our own threads on LinkedIn and we have our own thoughts. And so we have our own thought leadership. So no matter what we're doing, somehow it ends up getting into writing. So we do have a lot of experience, but we're going to help pull the curtain back a little bit today, give you a couple of tips that make you go, 
oh, someone understands how bad this is. <laughs> and we do for all of you writers out there who think it's just me who writing is difficult for. Nay, <laughs> we say it is hard for everybody, but we're going to give you a couple of expert writing tips. And then you can don your jacket and say, and yes, indeed, I am an author. So Ashley, thank you for joining me on this little adventure today. I can't wait to talk about this topic because we've all... I personally, I think you too, we've all fallen victim to staring at the blank page, right? And I think when you read something really inspiring, you just assume that the person, the author on the other side of things wrote it like a piece of cake. It was so easy for them, but that's not the case. We all fall victim to writer's block. And you know, our goal with these tips, it's to get over that writer's block. And that can be writing or authorship of any kind, a LinkedIn post, a blog or a book, right? Like it doesn't matter what that scale is, whatever you're writing for. I think these tips are going to be really applicable. Love it. I love it. So we've got, uh, we're each going to share two of our favorite tips. So we both came armed with two to give to you and we hope they'll just kind of mesh together really great. Cause that's usually what happens when Ashley and I get together, <laughs> but there's so much talk out there right now about chat GBT and about really open AI. So I'm just going to head for it right in the beginning. A lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, you're the CEO of a digital content marketing agency. Aren't you worried about open AI and how that natural query and NLP and NLG, which is, I hate using acronyms in this, <laughs> in this uh, podcast. So I'll say natural language processing and natural language generation, how those are going to affect our world. And guess what? They are going to affect our world. <laughs> and so did the telegram. And so did the telephone. And so did the car. <laughs> and we all just have to move on. And so I'm going to tackle that right at the beginning because it is a wonderful thing now with open AI. And we all want to figure out how can this machine learning really enhance our lives and bring so much ease to some things that are so repetitive. Because for example, I can't go ask AI to go write a thought leadership piece me about where we're going in content marketing, but I could actually ask it to one more time, write me an opening paragraph about what is digital marketing, <laughs> something I don't want to write again, right? So we have to really embrace it and understand what it is. And to that end, I just want to kind of bring in a couple of ideas I had just one, two, and three real quick about how you can go and incorporate something like chat GPT into your content world. And I just want to remind you, hey, you know what it can't do? It can't do thought leadership. Now, can it help you write a more compelling sentence within your thought leadership? Yes, use it for that. The next thing I get concerned about is SEO. Do you really understand search engine optimization and how that works? We know now there is no Google page two anymore. So if you were looking to bury that body, it's gone. Right? And we always said, if you want to marry a body, go put it on Google page too, because ain't nobody going there. But now it's just an endless scroll. And we know that SEO search engine optimization is changing. That's how your page would rank what the great Google in the sky thinks of your web page. And so will it serve it up to somebody saying, this is a relevant page. This person sounds like they know what they're talking about. And so when I think about the two things Google is looking at expertise and authority, I get worried that people think that chat GPT or any kind of an open AI system is going to deliver them something that really is content that they own, right? Because if we have the two pieces of content on one website and on another, and they're identical, guess what? 
Google thinks that's plagiarism and Google is not going to rank you. So please be careful out there playing with these chat bots. They can be fun, but you gotta, it's like Dr. Seuss says, it's fun to have fun, but you gotta know how. (laughs) And my third thing is brand voice. Please don't let AI (laughs) control your brand voice. You have a way of saying things. It's a way that is either funny or it's maybe a little irreverent or maybe it's very serious, or maybe it's very mathematical. Whatever it is that your brand brings to the table, you need to be more of that. And so, yes, let ChatGPT or any of these kinds of tools lighten the load with some things that you need to do, but please make sure that you're really delivering that value at the end of the day. So without further ado, I'm just like, that's the elephant in the room and we've got it off our chest and we look forward to hearing stories that you have about how that is making content better for you because that is the way that we are going. How can we get better and better writing through any kind of tool that we have? So Ashley, I'm going to let you kick it off with one of your favorite tips that helps you get past this writer's block and really get something beautiful out into the world. So my first tip is to allow yourself the gift of the shitty first draft. And that's, it's actually, it's, I I didn't come up with that term. It's by Anne Lamott. She, it's in her book, Bird by Bird. And if you know anything about me, it's probably really ironic that I'm saying that. (laughs) And even more ironic that I'm going to say, don't obsess about being perfect in your writing. Again, there's probably people laughing on the other side of this because it's me. I'm a known perfectionist, but this is a lesson that I've had to learn the hard way, especially when it comes to your first draft of something, you just have to write. You have to put it out there. You just need to either get your fingers typing, your pen moving, something needs to happen. And it's okay if the first time through is not if it doesn't look anything near like what the final draft is looking like. Now, this applies to all types of writing, but I even want to compare this to social post writing. This is a tip that I give our team all the time is write the social that's promoting, let's say a blog, right? Write those social posts, give those posts 24 hours to breathe, at least 24 hours to 48 hours. What I mean by that is write the social, go home, sleep, have a meal, wake up, drink your coffee, right? Do all your things and then read it with fresh eyes. Because I promise you the person who wrote those posts yesterday probably made a mistake, spelling error, grammar. Maybe you were, you thought you were being wittier than you actually were, but time allows you to see something with fresh eyes and make it even better. So whenever you are writing that first draft, just you have to be okay that it's not going to be perfect the first time through. And I really do think that perfectionism is the enemy of writers. It's one of the leading causes of writer's block, right? People are afraid. I don't know what to write. What if I get it wrong? What if I don't say the right thing? What if I'm not interesting? What if I'm boring? Whatever it may be, we have these things that run through our minds, which are a result of perfectionism that really do hinder us from actually putting pen to paper and making something happen. I love that. Okay. I'm a big fan of SFD. (laughs) Um, Also, it kind of reminds me, it's like, when is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. What is the second best time to plant a tree? today, like right now. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I wish it could be, I wish I could have done it in all of the best perfection way, but what do I have? I have right now. So let's get going. I will say another fun thing that you and I like to do is set a timer 
and sometimes just get it out of our system. Look, I'm just going to spend the next five minutes writing. I don't know what's going to happen. And so you can kind of just quit being so worried about it. And it's very simple. You say, Hey Siri, set a timer for, and I'm not going to finish my sentence because it's going to set all of our alarms (laughs) off, (laughs) which would be funny too, but it's just getting over that. And I'm so glad to hear you quote bird by bird. It's one of my favorite books. And I, you know, I like birds, so that's always good too. Well, on that imperfection kind of idea, and I will say that kind of brings up Brene Brown is a big fan of the shitty first draft. She talks about that a lot too. And Brene Brown was the book, the gifts of imperfection that changed my forties. And just if anybody's curious, the book that's changing my 50s is The Obstacle is the Way. Thank you, Ryan Holiday. (laughs) Game changer. But it's along that same thing. I think my biggest tip that I'll share today is the idea of like, don't keep waiting for the big inspiration. So I I think that really ties into what Ashley is saying is like, just get started, just get writing. You don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's in the actual writing, but also in the big idea. Like sometimes I think people try and elevate it so high. I'm going to talk about it's not a manifesto. You don't have to talk about the loftiest idea. You could talk about something so simple. And I do think that you can make a shift in your life where you start looking for inspiration in very small places. So I'll give an example. I use this sometimes in my LinkedIn course about how easy it is to write. (laughs) And when people tell me, well, it's so hard to figure out what to say, I usually use what my mentor, Brett Baker says, which is CTOBT, which is couldn't the opposite be true? (laughs) Couldn't it be so easy? Couldn't you actually have so much to write about and so many ideas that you can barely stand it? And I think that is true. So I talk about this one time I was driving down the road. And Starbucks is on the right-hand side. This is a major road in our town. And on the other side, there's this other coffee shop, right? And so I was going down the road. And of course, Starbucks has this $50,000 lit up sign. It has the signature building. It has like all of this money. We know the side, the, the shape of the building even. We know the Starbucks, you know, channel letters that are on the front. Like everything is so noticeable. There's so much investment. And I noticed going down the road one time that it's a very busy street. And they had a little sandwich board, a signage that was out. And I was like, um, okay, that costs like $35 at Sam's club. Why do they have a sandwich board sign with handwritten messages? Come in and get a pumpkin spice latte. You know, And it made me think about signage and it made me think a lot of different things. You don't have to wait for like some crazy big idea, but that inspired me to say, you know what, even large brands have to rethink signage. And it kind of brought me to the point of the fact that I really believe with every brand, with every person, your career, whatever it is, unseen is unsold, right? And so even if you've spent $50,000 on a big sign up there, that's 30 feet in the air, maybe the people driving in bumper to bumper traffic are not looking up. They're looking straight ahead. And that $35 sandwich board with a message about coming in and getting a drink might just work. And so it made me think like, Okay, $50,000, $35. (laughs) And that's just such a silly thing. But if you think about inspiration doesn't have to be this massive treaty that you're going to (laughs) write about the next big idea, it can just be about a mindset shift that you could offer people. So don't wait for this crazy, crazy inspiration. Write about what you know and what you know now. Before we get too far, let's talk about this show's sponsor. Uncovering insights in the agricultural industry can seem like looking for a needle in a haystack. Luckily, Ag Access has your back. From recruitment and survey design 
to planning and execution of custom full-service market research projects, you can count on Ag Access to deliver expertise and meaningful outcomes. Their 400,000-plus member community covers the breadth of the agriculture chain, including technology, ag sales, crop growers, livestock producers, feed supply, and more. With a full-time engagement center, research logistics team, and 400,000 member strong insights community, Ag Access is an irreplaceable bridge between researchers and professionals in the agriculture industry. Visit ag-access.com to learn more. That's good. And I want to, I kind of want to piggyback off of that in terms of mindset shifts. I already mentioned how perfectionism is the leading cause of writer's block. (laughs) I love how we're diagnosing these things. Yeah, yeah. But secondary to that would be self-doubt, which, you know, perfectionism and self-doubt, I really do think go hand in hand, but Self-doubt is slightly different because I think it is the enemy of creativity, what you were just talking about. How many times have you gone to do something and you've said, well, I can't do that, or I'm not that, right? Let's say you, let's say you want to write a book. You're saying, well, I'm not an author. I'm not good at writing. Going back to what Priscilla said, couldn't the opposite be true? What if you just started calling yourself a writer? What if you just started calling yourself an author? How would that change your life? How would that change your outlook on the situation? And my real tip here is outright that doubt. If you don't think you're an author, well, if you just started writing, and even if those pieces never actually were published, I guarantee after three months of writing consistently, you would fancy yourself some sort of author because you put it in your daily practice, right? So you just have to push past that. I know when we say that, like, don't self-doubt, right? That's like saying, like, don't stress about it. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, don't breathe. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. It just makes you stress a little bit more. But again, my tip would be push push past it, right? Immerse yourself in it. Do it over and over again. And I really do think the more you do something, the easier it is to become that thing, right? If you do the action, you don't have to just tell yourself something. You just, you become it over time. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So my brain is like spinning with so many things that you just said that I want to add on to, but I know I got, okay, here's my next tip. So I do think there's a cardinal rule about writing, especially writing for the web. And my cardinal rule to not break is number one, don't be boring. There is so much out there. It is so much noise. We are all inundated all day long with things, marketing speak, and furthermore, and in conclusion, and all this kind of stuff. Could you please just be creative and think about saying it a little bit differently, right? Be descriptive. Like, try and say, let me look at this world with new eyes. I can't remember who it was, but maybe it was, I can't remember if it was Marcus Aurelius or one of the Stoics love to kind of undo what they were seeing and work on the discipline of perception. And so that, for example, they would refer to wine, like a great bottle of wine as fermented grapes, expensive fermented grapes, you know, it's just like kind of calling something what it is. It can be so refreshing and it can change your way of looking at it. And so when you find yourself, get your shitty first draft done, just like make yourself right, 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 right. No judgment. And you're an author. So that's taking Ashley's second tip. Like you can do it right. I love what she said, outright that doubt. 
So that's my pull quote for <laughs> this, this tip session. That was really great. I'm going to take it to heart. But that idea of once you do that, then look back at it and put the things on the cutting room floor that are boring. And what will emerge is something that is far more interesting. And I think this goes back to your original conversation about AI too, right? The thing that AI can't do is the thought leadership. And what's going to make your piece not boring is you. And I know if you listen to Priscilla and I enough, we're not the people who are going to pat you on the back and say, you're a special snowflake. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but when it comes to your thought leadership, you really do have an interesting perspective to give. And if you find yourself writing about something where you don't, then don't write about that thing. Find something that you're passionate about. We all have an expertise that we can speak into where we can give a new and interesting perspective. This is, I have a 10 month old baby. So I'm I'm reading a lot of children's books right now. And there's this book, it's called On the Night You Were Born. It's by Nancy Tillman. It's, It's one of my favorites. And it goes through this, this whole story. And it says, basically the thought of it is there's no one else like you. Right. And we, we hear this all the time, but this book does such a great job communicating that I finished reading it. I was like, Oh, there's no one else. (laughs) There's no one else like me. Actually, you could have called me. I would have told you that. (laughs) (laughs) But that is so true about authorship too. Like what perspective can you offer up? That's different. And I think that will that will help you be interesting. That will help you stay away from being boring. Right. I love it. And it it is about like, just not polluting. Please give a hoot. Don't pollute. Like if you don't have anything new to say, don't put it out there, but okay. I'm going to bring this back around and all of you on this, we listen to this podcast. know we are not overly salesy or pitchy people, but I tell you what we believe in taking marketing chaos and bringing it into organization and basically getting you to the point where you can sleep at night because you know that your marketing, both short-term and long-term are handled and that you have a plan and don't worry about it. We haven't gotten to all of it, but yet we have a plan and we're going there. So of course, this is what we do for a living. We love doing this. We created the source system, which is basically saying it's marketing is complicated and that's why you need a system, right? So we agree with that. But what I want to tell you a little bit about how this pertains to writing is that I feel very strongly that in marketing, a lot of people do the right actions, but they don't do the right actions in the right order, right? And so you can hire us to put in a source system for you and we will, or you could crib from us and listen to what we're saying right now. And that is S-O-A-R. First, you get your strategy. So if you want to be interesting, right, then you need to figure out what your audience would find to be interesting. So we got to figure out who your intended audience is, that persona development, all those things, Ashley, and I love to talk about all the time. But again, take us out of the equation and figure out how you can do this. So strategy, where's your strategy first? Of course, we like to add keyword strategy and are you going to actually up your visibility, but you can get as simple or as complicated as you want with that strategy. The next thing is organize it. When is this going out? When are you going to do it? Like this whole pressure of, I got to write something. (laughs) Couldn't the opposite be true? (laughs) Couldn't you get all of that done in one fell swoop and not be stressed about writing deadlines? Can you figure out a system where that is true? A lot of people will be like, well, I got to post something every day. Do you? Could the opposite be true? Could you not have to post something every day? Could you post once a week? If it were meaningful, you would get so much more traction once a week than once every day. 
right? So think about that organization. What will fit into your life? What is consistent that you can do? And then the A is accountability. Okay, well, I said I was going to write about this topic because it is pertinent to my most desired audience. Well, don't go sit down and be like, yeah, but I you know, thought of this idea. <laughs> it's like, okay, inspiration strikes. But like what we said, you don't have to wait for major inspiration. You can just simply write, get the guts and get rid of the self-doubt and start writing about the subject matter you committed to, because you know that that's a part of a bigger system. And then the R is repeatability. Of course, we'd love for you to be able to measure what was successful, what isn't. And even a simple WordPress site, even if you don't have a complex CRM like HubSpot, like we use, you can still go in on your Google Analytics and see what pieces of content are getting traction. If you're looking out on LinkedIn, you can go look which pieces of content that you wrote are getting comments and getting the most likes and getting the most engagement. So you can learn, you can get the R and the repeatability. I will kind of end one more thing Ashley really had was the brainchild of our SOAR DIY. So tell people a little bit about you don't have to pay us to do all kinds of, you know, every single thing for you. That's what some people come to us are like, oh my God, just give it up. But tell them a little bit about SOAR DIY and how that kind of sets them up for success. Yeah. The beauty of SOAR DIY is it works for really all sorts of different teams, whether you have an internal marketing team that just needs a little direction, maybe they're a little bit more green. They just need that plan to follow, or maybe you're a one-man shop and you can't do it all, but you're eager to get out there, or maybe it's budget restraints, whatever it may be. With SOAR DIY, you get the strategy that Priscilla was just talking about. You get everything lined out, what we call a flight p- flight plan or even a roadmap, right? We are going to work with your team. We're going to learn your most ideal client. And then we're going to map out an entire year of content alongside you. So we're going to create that roadmap. Not only that, We're going to train whoever is in charge of implementing said system on your team, whether it's a junior marketing person, whether it's you, we're going to train that person how to actually implement the strategy. So we're going to, we're going to show them how to use HubSpot. We're going to show them how to actually navigate the project management system that has all the micro actions to actually get the blog done, right? Because it's one thing to tell your marketing team to write the blog. It's another thing to do the keyword strategy, implement the keyword strategy, get the title right, get the persona right, get the buyer's journey stage right, and then do the actual formatting of the blog. There's so many micro actions that come into play with the term, write a blog. We've already outlined those for you. So we hand those over or our team trains you how to implement them. And really, we send you away with an entire year of a content plan mapped out for you to execute. We've seen this happen time and time again, where people walk away and they're like, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. That's exactly what I needed. I just, I needed the strategy and I needed the direction our team could execute. And that's really, that's why SOAR DIY was born. And it's really been successful with those people who have the team to execute, but just needed a little extra help in terms of strategy and organization. 
I love it. I love it. And we're like past 300 episodes and we almost never sell anything on this. So I think it's perfectly fair for us to say, you can go check it out at marketing.com forward slash soar. But like I said, this is a, it is a mindset shift. It is a way of organizing what happens. And it is just a truth. Writing a blog is not one thing. When you are writing a blog for the purpose of lead generation and for marketing for a company, it's about 52 things. (laughs) And so you need to take a deep breath and get over this kind of pressure of, oh, it's just a silly, just write a blog. No, it's not that simple. It's not that simple, but it also doesn't need to be that complicated. And we hope that some of these tips that we've given you have really helped you get over that idea and just take the pressure off of you to be able to sit down and do some really good work and put it out into the world. So Ashley, thank you for joining me and bringing me always good tips. We seem to always uh, reconnect on like, oh, and not only that, but here's another one. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day, happy writing, and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.